Hello, welcome to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Um, first off, thank you to all of you who listened to that very long episode uh, with Rob Rossi. Um, thought it was going to be 25 to 30 minutes. He ended up giving me a full hour. Well, honestly, it was about 70 minutes worth of content. I think that's the longest episode we've had um, in the first season and a half of this show. Will probably be the longest episode this show will ever have unless I do something for like two hours, which I doubt I'll do. But still, thank you so much for listening to that episode. A lot of great stuff that Rob you know, gave us with the start of the season. You know how he feels about the team going into next year. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, definitely go check it out. It was posted on um, Wednesday. But for this episode, we'll be doing you know, quite a, just a few different things. There are some NHL season updates that we'll be talking about. There are some really cool ideas that I think uh, would make this season. Um, I know it's going to be different from the others, but still some of the ideas that I've seen been flowing around have been really nice. Uh, we'll continue our player season reviews and we'll do Brian Dumoulin today. And then, you know, maybe we'll do some mailbag questions or just some other um, discussive topics. So let's uh, let's just jump into a few things. So um, Frank Zarelli said last night, there was just, there, I think there was a couple calls, NHL Board of Governors. I think there was a call with NHLPA reps. Um, he said, for both revenue and cost reasons, the preference is to play games in each team's home arena over hybrid doubles. Again, guys, that's not really a much of a surprise. For t- I mean, as Rob explained on Wednesday's episode, you have a TV deals for your regional networks, I and mean, they're going to try to get some fans into the buildings. I mean, it makes sense, especially for, like Frank said, money reasons. They don't want to do these four hybrid doubles. I know Rob kind of scoffed at the fact that I think Gary Bettman said that they could do four bubbles, like 10 to 12 days in them per team and then you go seven days out and then you come back and do it again. I don't think a lot of players would really want to sign up for that. I think it would be a little bit too grueling. I think you're probably going to see um, NHL home arenas for this season. But, you know, for fans, I'm not really sure how many fans they're going to allow in these arenas. I mean, maybe 15 to 20%, some cities maybe more, but you know, it's, it's not going to be 50% with the, with the way this pandemic is spiking right now. I think this is now the ninth or 10th day in a row. We've had 100,000 cases or more in this country. It's just, you know, at this point, we might be at a lockdown um, within four to six weeks or something like that. I have no clue. But, you know, with the way it's just spiking, I just don't see a way there's going to be even 50% of fans allowed in NHL arenas. I just don't see that at all. 15 to 20%, like I said, that's maybe more realistic. Hell, there might not even be fans allowed at all in some of these arenas, though I don't think the NHL is going to want to do that. Um, Pierre Lebrun also said last night um, in his tweet, um, they're still looking at January 1st as a startup date, I think with camps in mid-December or something like that. I mean, it's it's kind of getting a bit late if you want to do January 1st. We're at, what, November 13th right now. That's a month and a half away just about to open up the season. I mean, you're going to want to have to open up camps in a, in a month. I mean, I know, you know, the seven non-return-to-play teams from last summer, I think they'll get an extra week to have a training camp. But still, I mean, you're looking at, what, four weeks, and you're probably not going to do a preseason at all. So this is going to be pretty interesting to see if they can actually pull off a January 1st restart. I've always said I think it's going to be like a February 1st restart. You're going to start back the season up right after the Super Bowl, right before the Super Bowl. I don't know what day the Super Bowl is this year. I think it's after February 1st, but you know, it's right around it's right around that time which counts. So I think that's probably more likely what's going to happen. I just think right now when you're what, what six, seven weeks away, I just think it's too much if you're going to start the season then. I know the NBA announced just last week that they have a December 22nd restart date ready, but you know, they actually got together, they formulated a plan and they executed it. I just don't see how the NHL is going to do that, especially during these times. 
But there was also another update from Pierre Lebrun last night. Apparently, it's looking more and more like a 2020-2021 season. We'll begin with an all-Canadian division, at least until they can figure out how to cross the border later in the season. So that should be fun. But again, nothing decided for sure yet was what his tweet was. Again, that's not surprising either. It would be pretty cool to see all the seven teams in their just the same division. And then you can have three American divisions. I mean, I'm guessing you're just going to have like a full... Western division with a lot of the California teams, of course, Arizona, Vegas, and then maybe like more of a central division. You know, you can put Chicago in there, Detroit, even. I mean, you might, I mean, you might honestly just have to mix the conferences for these divisions. That's honestly what they're just going to have to do. Just because it's just we're in such different times right now and they may not have any other choice. So that would be cool to see Chicago and Detroit play a bunch of times. And then you have the Eastern division, you know, you can put Boston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Washington. Tampa Bay, Florida, and just uh, a huge monster division. But, you know, this there was one idea yesterday that I did see on Twitter. I'm going to try to try to find it right now. I quote tweeted it um, yesterday, if I can find this um, right here. Uh, where was this at? Um, this is just terrible radio right now. I apologize for just somehow not being able to find this. Okay, here it is. So more talk on governor's call about the potential for a Canadian division, three U.S. divisions. There's also the idea of teams playing two to three games in a row versus the same team to limit travel and exposure. So basically like something related to baseball. I am all for that. I wish the NHL would honestly do this full time. I mean, imagine Penguins Capitals in like a three game series during the regular season. Just bloodbath after bloodbath after bloodbath. I mean, same. Imagine with the Penguins and the Flyers. I think that would be absolutely outstanding. I mean, imagine for other rivalries in the NHL, Boston-Montreal, three-game series during throughout each year. That would be incredible. I mean, Los Angeles-San Jose. I mean, you have St. Louis-Chicago, Chicago-Detroit, which would rekindle a rivalry. You know, Detroit-Colorado, that was a rivalry of the past. That would just be such a great idea. I mean, it would really, I think, get the fan engagement up for this season by a long shot because I'm not really sure how many people are going to be really, really excited about the league coming back with just not a lot of fans being in the stands. But still, I mean, I, I am all for these little two to three game series of just these teams going at it. I mean, like I said, imagine Penguins Caps, imagine Penguins Flyers, I mean, other ones, Penguins Blue Jackets for three games, you know, imagine Torts versus Mike Sullivan for that. That would be absolutely outstanding. I would be here for that. Don't think there's any other updates that came from this call. I mean, I think another tweet from Frank Sorabelli. No official proposal has been made by the NHL, aside from stated concerns of players are expecting to ask for an increased pay deferral next season to aid owner cash flow rather than proration of salaries. I mean, I guess the big thing to come from that, you know, thoughts and prayers for the owner's cash flow problems, you know, just... I guess that's basically all I have to say on that. But, you know, just wanted to update you guys on some things happening around the league yesterday. We're getting closer, it looks like. You know, again, I'll say it again for like the fifth time in the seven minutes that I've been recording. I would expect February restart and then they're going to play into mid-June or maybe early July. They're not going to want to play into mid-July for obvious reasons. The Olympics take over NBC. You obviously have the big TV deal that D'Angelo is going to want to sign. Hopefully ESPN comes back and takes back some of the rights. I mean, I love Gary Thorne to come back calling the games. You can probably put, you know, some other better analysts on there. You know, maybe take some away from TSN or something like that. But I think a lot of people are just kind of sick and tired of NBC, especially, you know, when they cut away from NHL games to freaking show golf or they put games on the golf channel. I mean, I don't really think that makes the NHL happy at all. So, you know, that's still a little bit of ways away. We'll see what happens when that new TV deal comes around. I just want to update you guys on all that stuff. But before we do, do get to our next segment, which will be a player season review for Brian Dumoulin, 
it is time to talk about Bilco. It's the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake, it's lasting and natural. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through with Go every day. It's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. You can put in your golf bag to power through the back nine. You can put it in your pocket to get through the day. There's three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate mint. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. There's an offer. You can go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hody. So it was a pretty, I would say, a good season for Brian Dumoulin. I know he struggled at times. But, I mean, the guy was also hurt. I think he played in not even 30 games last year. I think it was actually, yeah, 28 games. Played not even 500 minutes. I mean, this was... Easily the most injury-riddled season that he's had for his career. But, you know, I mean, when you look at natural statric, still a good season for him. I mean, chances for 494, chances against 377. His possession numbers, 56.7%. That's actually a career high for him. I know it's only 30 games and that his career high before that was 53.7% in 2017-18. But still, he was on pace to, to shatter that 53.7% in a full season. Um Goals four on the ice, 34 goals against 25. His goals four percentage, 57.6. His expected goals, um, 19.4. Expected goals against, uh, 15.9. Again, you always want to be on the positive side for that. You know, his expected goals percentage, um, 55. He was controlling 55% uh, of the expected goals. That's just, that's incredible. You know, scoring chances for 231. Scoring chances against 171. So, I mean, still... What a defensive presence that he is in his own zone. We know that an offense is really not going to come for Dumoulin. I think overall this season, didn't have a goal, had five total assists, three of them were first assists, just five points. Um, the season before that, three goals, 16 assists, 19 points total. That was his career high in 2018-19, played 76 games. So, I mean, the offense, is just it's just never going to come from it. And, you know, that's fine, guys. I mean, we, we really don't need... Two crystal tangs on the same pairing. I mean, you're really never going to get two crystal tangs on the same pairing. I don't care what team you are. And it's just that's just why this pairing works so great together. You know, you have the defensive presence that Brian Dumoulin is elite at suppressing shots. You know, his, like I said, his chances for, his chances against at all situations, five on five, penalty kill, whatever. It's just, it's top notch. And then you have Crystal Tang, who can also move the puck up the ice, but is way more gifted offensively. Will jump into the play, will score a lot more. I think he had, what, 16 goals last season. Will play make a lot more with driving assists and all that. And like I said, that's just why this pairing is just so good together. And I'm really curious to see how they do next season when they're both fully healthy, hopefully Dumoulin and Latang. Don't miss any time with injuries because I really do think this is one of the five best top pairings in the league. I will honestly just die on that hill. You know, I'm just looking at some other stats here for him. Um, I already did the scoring chances for, you know, um, high danger chances for 90 for the offensive zone for the Penguins. High danger chances allowed 72. I mean, if you want a full season of that, you know, just look at the last few seasons. 306 high danger chances for 245 in 2018-19. Then 2017-18, 288 for 253 against. You know, his high danger chances for percentage is 55%. 55.5%. 55.56%. That's, that's not a career high. His career high was 2015-16. That was 58.3%. You know, high danger goals for 17, high danger goals against 13. I mean, a lot of that has to do with sometimes not playing with Crystal Tang. I mean, when he was fully healthy the last season, 
41 goals for, 28 goals against, and then you know in 26, and then you know 2015-16 when he played with Crystal Tang almost full time too, 31 goals for, 28 goals allowed at high danger, and you know, but some of these it also you can attribute to the goalies not making saves. I mean, you look at 2017-18, 29 goals for it at high danger, 37 goals allowed. You know, Matt Murray was also pretty bad during that first half of the season before. You know, kind of turning it on a little bit. He turned it on way more in 2018-19 when I think he was 9:30 the last few months of that season. I have to double check that though. But you know, like I said, a lot of that 2017-18 season was just the case of you know one the team being gassed, and two you know the goalies they were just like not making saves. They were the last few two seasons, especially in 2016-17 where. It was just, you know, the goaltending was just superb for the Penguins. But as for next season for Dumoulin, you know, I would honestly expect to him, you know, with the numbers that I just gave you guys and how good he was this past season. I mean, I'd expect him to maybe be 56% possession again, especially if he's fully healthy with Latang. I mean, he's been over 52, 53% for most of his career. But, you know, 55, 56, controlling the puck up the ice, just controlling play. Would not be surprised if it's that. I mean, his goals for percentage at 57.6. His career high, like I said, is the season before at 58.5. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 60% this season, again, with a healthy Chris Letang. It's just like they just work so great together. And, you know, there's no Jack Johnson to play on the top pairing this time. There's no Justin Schultz to play on the top pairing with Brian Dumoulin in case Chris Letang gets hurt. I mean, you can move up John Marino. I mean, Dumoulin and Marino, I would honestly love to see their underlying numbers if they got a full season together. I think those numbers would be absolutely just lethal, disgusting, any way you want to put it. I would love to see that. I mean... His goals for, well, I wouldn't really want to touch on that. You know, his scoring chance score percentage, 57.4%. I would expect that to say the same. But, you know, the big thing that I am looking for this season, will there be more offense? I talked about it, I know, just a few minutes ago. You're probably not going to see a lot of offense for him for the rest of his career. But you never know. It, it could be. We could see his first 20-point season in the NHL. He's gotten 19-19 before in 2018-19. Can he get to 20 points, maybe 25 even? We'll, we'll see about that. The highest goals that he scored in a season is five in 2017-18 maybe he can break that this season but you know, the big thing you know it's always like the bigger the game is for Brian Doolin the more likely it is that he's going to score I mean the, the one that I remember him the most I know, they, I know they lost this game but um you know game five against Tampa game five against Tampa Bay with just a few seconds remaining. I think it was like less than one second then of course you know how could I even say that was the biggest one that I remember when he scored the opening goal in game six of the Stanley Cup final against the San Jose Sharks? Of course, the Penguins won that game and won the Stanley Cup. But still, I just don't know how I didn't say that was the biggest one, you know, that he scored in. But still, you know, like I said, as the games get bigger, he usually tends to play his best hockey. He scores some goals. Hopefully we get some more offense from him next season. He's going to continue to suppress shots at an elite level, continue to play great defensive hockey. He's basically John Marino, except, you know, he does he does what John Marino does even better. And that's not shitting on Marino either. We, know, we all know how good he was this past season as a rookie. It's just that Dumoulin does what he does at, at a more elite level. But still, really excited to see what Brian Dumoulin could do next season, guys. I'm just really looking forward to it. But before we do get to our next segment of this podcast, it is time to talk about Bill Bar. There's 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, a few of them, cookies and cream, caramel, brownie, carrot cake, apple, almond, crisp. We still have the 12 original flavors, mint brownie, banana bread, peanut butter, German chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, coconut. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. 
There's an offer. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I mean, there's not really too much else to talk about. <laughs> just know what's going on right now. It is just still a dead period for the NHL. But I did think of a cool, just a cool little segment to do here. I'm going to pick my starting six for the Penguins using only players from 2010 to 2020. Um, at center, we already know who the pick is. That's Sidney Crosby. I mean, on any other team, it's Evgeny Malkin. Right wing, I'm going to go Phil Kessel. Um I know you can make some arguments for other players, you know, Patrick Hornquist, Jerome Aginla, even though he played on the left wing with Dan Bosma, I'll still always forever get mad that they put Aginla on Malkin's left wing. That was just such a joke. But, you know, I'm using Aginla as a right winger here. But, you know, no one did what Phil Kessel did, was a point-per-game player during the regular season a couple of times. Point-per-game player in the playoffs every single year for him, for them. For some reason, the, the people in the media still wanted to dog on him for reasons beyond my comprehension. He was absolutely awesome. I loved watching Phil Kessel play on this team. I still wish he was here, though. The decline definitely came uh, for Kessel. He was just not the same last season for Arizona. So Crosby and Kessel at left wing, you know, there's so many options. You can put James Neal on there. You can put Chris Kunitz on there. Hell, some may even argue to put Pascal Dupuis on there, though. Is that really going to happen? You know, not really. I'm not ever going to freaking argue for Pascal Dupuis being the best left winger of this decade for the Penguins. That would just be a monster, monster hot take that I don't think I would ever come back from. But, you know, I am going to go with Chris Kunitz here. I think it's honestly the only logical answer to put him on here, just with how his production was with the Penguins. I mean, you know, you start at 2009, 2010, 2008, 2009, 23 goal season, 2010-11. Then the next year, 26 goals, 22 goals after that, 2013-14. It's only 30 30 goal season at 35 goals, 68 points in 78 games. After that, he was still good. I mean, two consecutive seasons of 17 goals, drove possession. I mean, hell, he even finished top 20 in the heart voting during that 2012-2013 season, which is absolutely crazy to me. But, you know, he was just always there when you needed him to be. He scored so many clutch goals for the Penguins. I mean, you know, the, the overtime winner, of course, against the Ottawa Senators is just nothing short of extraordinary. You know, who knows what happens with the franchise if they don't win that. I mean, the overtime winning goal against the Islanders in Game 3 of their 2013 playoff series. They won that series in six games. I mean, whenever there was a big moment, you know, he was he was there. You know, I know I said that for Phil Castle. You know, I know I said that in my player season review for Brian Dumoulin. You know, as the stakes get higher, he scores his goals, even though he doesn't score a lot. But, you know, with Chris Kunitz, he scored a lot. But, you know, he really scored a lot when the games just got big. And, you know, he was just such a treat to watch him with Crosby. But when both were in their prime, was just peak Penguins hockey. So, yeah, I mean, I would go Kunitz, Crosby, Kessel for defense. Um, obviously, on the right side, I'm going Chris Letang. I mean, he's the best defenseman in franchise history that's not named Paul Coffey. Um, you can debate that if you want with Larry Murphy, Ulf Samuelson, um, but you're not going to win that debate. It's Chris Letang 100 times of the week. And on the left side, it, you know, this is where I think it gets interesting. You know, you can argue Brian Jimlin, which, you know, I think I might do, but you can also argue for Paul Martin. Paul Martin was just such a steady, steady presence next to Latang, That formed one of the very underrated top pairings in the league. But, you know, I'm going to give the edge here to Brian Dumoulin. I'm not going to count Sergei Gonchar because he was basically off the team right after 2010 started. But I am going to give the edge to Brian Dumoulin. I can see why people would argue Paul Martin, though. But 
You know, I think Dumoulin brings a little more offense than Martin did. Dumoulin doesn't even score or play make that much. But I also think that Dumoulin was better in the defensive zone. He had better shot suppression numbers than Martin. You know, better possession numbers. It was just, it's just a better shutdown pairing, and he's just a better defender than Martin was. And then in goal here, I mean, I may get flamed for this. Um, I'm taking Matt Murray, guys. Uh, I will 100% take Matt Murray during that decade over Marc-Andre Fleury. I know some of the Fleury stands are going to come after me. But you know what? When you stink so many times in the playoffs, way more than what Matt Murray did, you know, I'm not going to take you. And, you know, he was the sole reason for some of those runs why the Penguins just did not get past the first or second round. You know, you have the Philadelphia series. He played like total dog shit. And then, you know... He almost he basically barfed all over himself in the Islanders series, and if it weren't for Tomas Vokun finding his form, the Penguins would probably have lost that series. And then you know you 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 forget about that Montreal debacle in 2010 when he just allowed what four goals in that first period and had to be pulled. He was just absolutely terrible in that game. And then you know with Matt Murray comes on in the scene in 2015-16 was basically 923 I think that postseason, and then in 2017 he was 937. It's one of the highest save percentage is by a goalie in any cup win in NHL history. So yeah, I'm taking Matt Murray. He would always elevate his game, I think, higher than Marc-Andre Fleury in the playoffs, though I do know Marc-Andre Fleury was awesome in 2008. But you know, we're not looking at that decade. You know, maybe, you know, for next week, I'll look at 2000 to 2010, you know, for my starting six. So again, Kunitz, Crosby, Kessel, Dumoulin, Latang, and then Murray in net for my starting six from 2010 to 2020 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that will wrap up this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I hope you guys had a lot of fun listening to this. Um, go Steelers this weekend. They're going to try to get to 9-0 for the first time in franchise history. Go check out uh, Locked On Steelers with Chris Carter. Does a great job with them over there. And hopefully Virginia Tech will do something this weekend. It's a lot of bad uh, stuff going on down in Blacksburg right now with my college. And, you know, the next time I will talk to you guys will be when I am 23. I turn 23 this Sunday somehow, you know, I'm getting closer to 30, which is just kind of pretty scary to think about right now. So like I said, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Thank you guys always so much for listening to this podcast in general. And I will talk to you all next week with three brand new episodes.